0: Hey and welcome to our Heralds Podcast, produced by Women's Ministries of the Saoishan Army New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. I'm your host, Rosie Keane, from the Territorial Women's Ministries Department. Join us each episode to hear the courageous stories of Wahene Toa, Mighty Woman, to spur you on in your mission with Jesus Christ in the everyday. Psalm 6811 says, The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim the good news are a mighty army. We are those women and we are that army. We're so, so honoured and blessed to have with us uh, Kiwi treasure and national favourite, Commissioner Janine Donaldson, who's currently at IHQ in London um, and is coming back and is on our episode today. So welcome, Janine. Thank you, Rosie. That's a lovely, lovely, generous welcome. Thank you. I'm really honoured to be here. We're so excited to have you. We know you're so busy and you're only here until another, is it another four days? Yes. So thank you for spending this time. Joy, no problem at all. So when you return back to London, Mm -hmm. tell us what is the role that you're
1: currently in at international headquarters? Well, I'm working in the South Pacific East Asia Zone, which is this zone, so incorporates all the countries around this area, you know, going right up to Korea and Japan and the Philippines, Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and so I represent the women, Women's Ministries, so I'm interested in what the challenges are for women, what are the celebrations. But I also work with the International Secretary, um, we go around together, we do reviews every three years, we do support visits, and there I also get opportunities to uh, listen to women's stories. Uh, I've just come from a camp in Myanmar with 198 ladies, so I've got these amazing opportunities. Uh, to just be amongst women and uh, listen to their stories and pray with them and journey alongside them. And it's just an incredible blessing. That's so I get amazing. much more out of it than ever I give. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love what you said,
1: um, you represent
0: the women. So, what does that mean for you? I mean, that's how many countries? 13? It's about, it's a, well, with Australia coming down, it'll be 10. 10 countries of how many thousands of women, how do you find um, the time or the resources to hear those stories in a way that is effective for your role, to represent
1: them well in international headquarters? I think it's you know keeping connected with women and asking them to tell these stories, however that is, through email, through reports. And it really does come down to when you visit, when you visit, being intentional about hearing about what women are doing, meeting them. Mm-hmm. Going to their places, uh, I an opportunity in Singapore where uh, about six corps joined together to bring uh, women uh, from their corps, women involved in community ministries, and they could tell us their story, what they were doing, what the challenges were for them, what we could pray for them. That was really exciting. That's amazing. Have
0: you heard? Uh, the United Nations just did. This is eighteen. Uh, So they uh, asked women all around the world, young women, 18 years old, to uh, give a snapshot of what their life is like as an 18-year-old woman in their country. It's so beautiful and diverse, and I imagine having these 10 countries with such diverse women represented in each of them, how do you find um, the differences being between these countries of what women are currently facing and their needs are? What are some of the issues that are facing women in the countries that you've visited recently?
1: Well, they are diverse, Rosie, because in a place like Indonesia, for example, you've there's this need to go around to teach women about health. They have mm. fantastic, quite graphic flip charts. But these are health concerns that women face. And if we don't go and tell them or tell them how to look for these problems, they don't know about them. Uh, there's reading rooms for women who are learning to read and write because mm-hmm. in that particular community that's their need and we can get alongside them. Uh, as they're coming to us we get alongside them and it's it's like vital and crucial work amongst women of the world. Then of course you have countries where we are more favoured with money um, and yet some of our, our problems are the same, domestic violence, anti-human trafficking, mm-hmm. those are actually quite big problems in this part of the world. I was reading uh, yesterday that over 60 women
0: have been killed in the last um, space of the last year since January in Australia alone, Uh, and the reporter was asking why isn't this a national crisis? And so I'd put that to you having seen um, domestic violence probably being quite similar across the board in different countries regardless of um, religion or economic status. Why do you think it's not seen as a national crisis for different countries experiencing such high rates of domestic violence against women in their homes?
1: I um, I feel very strongly that it's still because men won't get on board with mm-hmm. actually promoting it and saying stop it, it's mm-hmm. our responsibility to uh, make sure this doesn't come, this doesn't happen to our woman. I think men have to really get behind this. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting that in our part of the world we sign up to treaties. Um, Which we don't fulfill these treaties that most countries have signed that says uh, we will treat women equally They will have Mm -hmm. equal rights. They will have access to health and education But we don't make our governments actually live up to what they've signed and I think this is the time to say These are the things that we have signed up for Uh, Please you need to be enacting them. You need to be doing something about it. We need to raise our voices
0: so I remember on that note a couple of years ago um, you presented a paper on domestic violence um, and it was really well thought out, really well researched. If you go to our website saavishanami.org.nz forward slash women um, you can find Janine's article on domestic violence in our articles section. Uh, who were you presenting that paper
1: to? I was presenting that paper to a group of women um a group of outside women which was wonderful uh, in Auckland and I presented it also here in Wellington. Uh, so a woman that work in the community at various jobs and I wanted I wanted the Salvation Army to be seen, to be interacting. We want to join hands with other women here, we don't want to be separate. We're all facing you know similar sort of things so it's really important that as the Salvation Army and as woman. We face up to these social issues. Mm. You know, we were birthed for that. The Salvation Army was birthed for social justice and we Mm -hmm. need to really be speaking up and putting our hand up and saying, we're still here.
0: Mm.
1: There's still things and we can work together, which I think is really important. Uh, It's like the body of Christ. We're made up of many parts, Mm. but we all need each other and Christ
0: uses us all. Do you think there's sometimes a hesitancy on the part of the Salvation Army Um, or religious institutions as a whole, but specifically the Salvation Army, to engage in what seems um, to be hot topics. For example, with domestic violence, that's something that's... uh, I know the Australian government recently did a big inquest into religious um, institutions to look at the domestic violence happening behind churches' closed doors. Do you think there is a hesitancy on on the part of Salvation Army to engage in this? And if so, why? If so, not...
1: I think that perhaps there is, I think that we sort of run the risk now of always wanting to be politically correct and not taking a, a, a political stand. And I think sometimes we have to just push the boat out. That's what William and Catherine Booth did. Uh, I think we have got to be a little bit more, and I'm going to use the word aggressive, in actually saying this will not do. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's about 30% in New Zealand uh, rates of domestic violence, and uh, that's huge. Yeah. And Who's putting their hand up for this? It has to be us. We have to. We have to put our hand up along with other women and actually say this will not do. This must be stopped. I um, was reading the White Ribbon campaign
0: page. So for those of you who haven't heard of White Ribbon, uh, the organisation, the campaign to end. Men's domestic violence against women. So it appeals to men as male ambassadors, calling men on into um, leaving behind cycles of violence and repetitive um, family abuse. And often in the comments section, even in regards to the article I was telling you about of the 60 plus women killed this year in Australia, uh, the old what about isms cracked out. What about So what about this? What about that? What about women who also abuse men? So uh, what do you think? the aim is when people are saying what about when you bring up an issue like domestic violence what do you think the aim is of a person bringing up a side issue or a a mirror issue is it to advance the mission
1: is it to advance or is it do you think it's I think what it does is silence us even further and I would completely agree there is violence woman against Mm. men. no one would deny that for sure but I think I think it has what it does to women who want to raise their voices is silence them, and that silence builds, mm. and it builds and it builds until a woman then become afraid to bring it up, because eyes are rolled, people sigh. It's a bit like ministering to women. It's I've st- I've still been in places where it's sort of laughed at. It's it's joked about, and I think unfortunately uh, that's what's happened to some of these other issues. They're just sidelined. Um, Not necessarily because they don't want to do something, but it's just become an easy uh, pat answer back. And I think, sadly, that actually does work to silence
0: us. It's interesting, um, yes, what you're saying about how it becomes... Almost hiding the topic by that use of laughter. I was reading the other day, you can tell I read a lot. Um, I do have friends. Um, I was reading about laughter as a means of invalidating or silencing an idea. So, so some. Some of you or some of us might have had the time when we've shared something deeply profound in our heart and somebody's laughed at it or been like, are you serious? And it becomes profane. Something that was profound and deeply intimate and personal is then used to hurt us. And so um, jokes about rape, jokes about domestic violence, jokes about harming women, jokes about blondes, jokes, all these jokes which the term is punched down. It's from a person with power, usually, punching down to somebody who traditionally has less power than them. As a means of silencing it, it says your profound truth is not true. The profound thing that you're wanting to share, I laugh that off. I think that's a real um, problem. Do you think that in the church we have a tendency to laugh or shrug things off? Or are
1: we becoming more progressive in the way that we listen? I think there's definitely areas within the church where we are progressive and we are listening and we are working uh, to make progress but I still think there are uh, areas and I particularly feel it's around ministering to women where we are as you said Rosie we're punched down there's still a laugh because people don't know quite what to do I'd rather almost that there was a silence than a laugh I find that really difficult and I find that quite demeaning as a woman in leadership Uh, It is really hard sometimes to get past that or uh, I'm in a position sometimes where I feel if I bring a topic up, um, everyone's just going to kind of, you know, look away Mm. or roll their eyes because um, I'm addressing the topic again. I would love for someone to say, actually, that's really important. How can we join together? How can we put our voice to the voices of women to make a stand against that? I would just so love to hear that. It's really interesting. Um, we've been talking earlier
0: today uh, about the idea of silence building. You said that silence builds for women. Yeah. Um, and I have been thinking lately about the power of silencing someone versus uh, the collective shout of joining our voices together and how, as I was saying about... Um, The Little Mermaid and how she had to give up her voice in order to achieve her dreams and her man. Uh, And sirens in mythological kind of stories were the mermaids that sat on the rocks and they would wreck, shipwreck men by using their voices. And actually there's these terrible parallels with the way that um, religious teachings and especially Christian teachings can portray a woman's voice. I mean, those popular verses of oh, I'd rather live on the roof than um, have a nag for a wife or listening to um, a woman's voice is what got us into sin in the first place because of Eve in the garden. Well, no, it was listening to a serpent's voice Um, and there was silence on Adam's behalf. So silence and voice are so key and um, essential. How do you find in these positions of power where people are seeking to silence your voice, how do you push through with Janine's you know, her thrust of the Holy Spirit, the voice God's given you was. What are some of your tools or coping mechanisms to maintain that voice
1: in the face of opposition? Yes, it is difficult. I think for me it's it's knowing what I'm going to present and trying to do that um, in a firm but kind voice. Um, I haven't always felt, although sometimes situations are so bad, I do feel very emotional. But I find that when I'm with a group of more senior men, men leaders, it's better for me to be quite reasoned when I'm putting across what I need to say. I need to be well read. I need to be thoroughly prayed over and with a God-given confidence um, that he will help me and that I won't be silenced because that for me is my biggest thing. Um, just not having the courage to just say what I think. And I need to ask him for holy courage to be bold. I love that, holy courage. What does that look like
0: in situations where somebody isn't feeling particularly courageous? How would you advise a young woman or an older woman or any woman um, going into a room full of lions in a sense? Like how would they call on that holy courage? What is something that they could do in that sense?
1: I think it's you know, it's a real prayer as you go in. Sometimes you haven't even got a chance to pray that prayer outside of the room before you go in. You just find yourself thrust in it. So you just send up the prayer. The Lord hears it and just trust him to fill your mouth with what he wants you to say. Sometimes I have found that sometimes it just pays to look confident. Even when you feel far from confident, you just kind of like, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to just, you know, be confident. And that's I found that I find that helpful even when your heart's beating a million times yeah holy courage he gives it to you I was reading that or if you make a mistake like I've made terrible blunders of things you know and I'm just like oh okay so <laughs> been've done it with boldness been able to laugh it off yeah laugh it off yeah yeah because you know I've made heaps of blunders you just gotta laugh it off
0: and that's something I was saying earlier to you that I greatly admire about you. Um, not only your courage, but your genuine sense of joy um, that is not a slipping mask. Sometimes you meet um, women especially who have been conditioned to kind of just shrug things off because they're powerless in a situation. So they kind of, yeah. oh, it doesn't matter. They minimise themselves and their feelings. It doesn't matter whatever... I. I didn't even care but for you i feel you exert a genuine sense of joy that draws people in is that something you've had to cultivate over time is it something that you've always had is it something that grows in your relationship with jesus
1: how do you maintain and catch that joy i think it's definitely in keeping a steady relationship with the lord you know reading his word and praying and it's also been born out of some really difficult times when joy has been really hard to find. I think of when I have worked overseas in Africa and there were situations that just would have me just crying because they were just so tragic. And the Lord really spoke to me on one such occasion when I felt that, you know, there was, I almost felt like he wasn't there, that, you know, I was praying, but the situation was just so bad. And he just reminded me that I have everything I need. I had everything I need and, um, you know he'd never leave me, he'd never forsake me. He's always with me and I would just pray that prayer over and over, you are with me. you know your presence goes with me and um, I have everything that I need even when it didn't look like I did have. Um, I, yeah that was a that was really quite a moment for me uh, when I was in my late 20s uh, facing some really extraordinary uh, difficult um, situations.
0: Would you like to expand on one of those situations for those who, I mean, predominantly our listeners will be sure. tw- mid-20s, 30s and beyond. It would be really cool to hear some of that um,
1: that holy courage and an example that others can identify Absolutely. With. Um, we had, uh, when we were living in Zambia in the early 90s, I know that seems ages ago. <laughs> when I was young Um, we had uh, a lovely young woman that we knew she came to our house um, early one morning and she had a huge bite mark on her head in fact the bite mark you could see the outline of the set of teeth in her head and when I said to her well who did that to you she said my brother my brother did that to me because he wanted to rape me and because I wouldn't let him he bit me well, uh, in Zambia, it's not really a woman's place to do anything about that, but oh man, the rage, you know, it was kind of that one that just, it was like a fire in my belly, it just came up, I put my little baby on my back, and I marched down, and you know, you know, one of the things I can still remember was the dust flying with my like, heavy tread footprints, boom, 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 and the dust was just flying up, and I went straight to her village, which I had no business doing, I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that it wasn't right, but I asked someone on my way to go and get Robert, and I marched down to the vi- village, and I called out her father, who had to, who happened to be the head of the village, and I just said, you know, that this was so wrong, and God did not like this, and she was precious, and this was never to happen again, and all these people looking at me, you know, and as I'm saying it, the courage is not, as sort of like seeping out of me, because I'm standing there, I'm just so mad with her, and I'm crying, and, um, Robert came, he just stood to one side, and then he just came because it really could have created a huge problem. Uh, but it was interesting that her father came to see me and said that he he was quite taken with what I had said and I had really spoken to him. And about five years after that, she came to see me. She was married and she had a little baby and she'd become a soldier. Wow. And that was just, I've never forgotten it. And I think at that moment when you asked me before about how do you have courage, you know, because it was kind of eking out of me when the madness sort of, when I'm standing there thinking, what am I doing? I'm a foreign woman in a foreign country, in a place where women are not appreciated or valued. They can own nothing. Um, And here I am uh, going absolutely mad because of what's happened. I think the second thing that really impacts on me is, Uh, when AIDS was really uh, a huge epidemic and uh, people uh, that we knew and loved uh, their families were dying Um, it just seemed to be absolutely never-ending and in the training college where we were we lost two little babies of six weeks old that were born with HIV and died Mm -hmm. and I just broke my heart I just broke my heart and taking some of our cadets in the back of our van to the hospital trying to get um, care for them and that's when I, I look. I remember I was uh, crying, and I leaned against the wall, and I just literally slid down that wall, and I just howled, and I said, "God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you in this? I'm. I, it's so hopeless. I, there's, I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know." And that's when He came to me and said, "You have all you need. You have all you need right here. Just show love and compassion. Wow. Just so that that yeah, yeah. I realized in that." That, that single minute that he is, he is. And you know that old song, um, we don't perhaps sing it now, but it goes leaning, leaning, leaning on the... You, know, you won't know it, Rosie, I'm just going to say it anyway. Not standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. No, leaning, leaning. Okay, oh, I can't go, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, a, it is an old song, and it's one that we always sort of want to sp- speed up, and we had it sung the other day at Croydon at the Corps, and the Corps officer, who's lovely, Lisa, she was trying to get everyone to sing it, Slowly, because normally we go leaning, leaning, and but the the lovely promise on it, leaning on the everlasting arms, I just had for that I had another sort of minute where the Lord spoke to me because when you say those words slowly, leaning, leaning, there's something wonderful about them mm. leaning on the everlasting arms, and I just it really spoke to me yes we we hurry it up sometimes we're an instant people, but sometimes we've just got to. Lean back into him and trust him he created us we belong to him and we have to lean back into him and trust him. it's very profound.
0: I like what you said um that we are an instant people I think that there is something that more so than ever is a parent um not just in younger generations quotation quotation but and the access we have to everything from Amazon, um, orders arriving next day to um, social media and live tweets. We had an earthquake, you know, less than an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> and instantly, all over Facebook, uh, photos, um, tweets. There's people saying, "How big was it?" Reports everywhere. It is. We are an instant people, and I love what. Yeah, I love that picture of refusing to speed up. Not because um, we're afraid of action for action's sake, but out of that knowledge that in order to cultivate, that very word cultivate, it's not um, like an instant, you know, those little um, grow a sheep or grow a boyfriend things you get yeah. from the $2 shop that you throw in the bath and they yeah. instantly and grow that. up. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the potato grass. Being. Yes, it's it's a cultivation. Yeah. It's yeah. a slow and steady. What's that saying? A long obedience in the same direction. And sometimes that might sound like drudgery to some people, but actually, it's yeah. even in a second instead of rushing forwards into battle, it's the submission of leaning yeah. against the saviour's shoulder. That's very beautiful. Yeah.
1: And sometimes, you know, we're leaning for other people. i so Rosie. That came to me as well. We're leaning for the person. Um, you know, I've just been to see the Wellington Hub. I'm leaning for all the men and women that are there that are seeking help for addictions. I'm leaning against Christ for the woman that's come and whose husband's an alcoholic and who's got a child that's got serious health problems. We're, sometimes we're, we're leaning for others. You know, we're gaining patience and we're trusting him, not just always for ourselves, but for others as well. For all the people that, that um, we love that come into anywhere in the Salvation Army into any place where God is. uh, We are leaning for them um, because at the moment they can't.
0: That's cool. It's like you said earlier about the body of Christ is when you flex your hand different ways, different muscles go taut and other ones relax. And sometimes it's that we're, you know, as the body of Christ, we're leaning one way and the parts that can't quite hold their own yet are able to relax on the underside of those who are engaged and strong and the muscular you know pre-warriors have been around forever and other times they are strong and they're able to cover those shortcomings those weaknesses Mm. you know the um, parts of the body that deserve more um, discernment and protection as as the scripture says it's very beautiful
1: yeah i love your description too it's great we're the best
0: Uh, as you've travelled around, um, you were telling me that at the conference you were at recently, um, one of the there's a picture on your phone which we'll attach in the links um, of the word unsilenced or unsilencing yes. yeah. um, out of your meeting together with so many women and talking about uh, these these high level women leaders talking about what's affecting them in their different countries and that really was that was quite a, a strong voice in my spirit to be unsilenced as we talked about voice and silence earlier. Can you expand on that? Where did that come from? What was that? What was the context of that word of being
1: unsilenced as a woman? So um, last year in Bali, a group of women met um, leaders from the zone—not um, just officers, um, but local leaders. Uh, we met uh, to talk about uh, how we thought women's ministries was going, the challenges, uh, and then. What were our hopes or what were our strategies for moving forward? And we came out of that conference um, with five um, themes. I was absolutely determined that we would meet in a year or just over a year and actually progress on what we had discussed and talked about. That was really important to me because I really wanted to honour the woman that gave so hours of actual prayerful contemplation and discussion to come up with. Um, these strategies that that would work or how we can work together as a zone but not always generically how we can work separately because that's appropriate to where we are so we met again just at the end of uh, September uh, in Singapore and we looked at what we had come out the five themes that we came out with and we've come up with a mandate for the zone some areas that we want to really look at really uh, dive into and develop some together and some separately, but one of the uh, one of the um, themes we came up, we've given our themes names now, and one is called the unsilencing, and that is because many women in that room felt that in leadership they were sometimes silenced by their male counterparts. No one was saying that they had felt bullied or that they had not felt valued or that they felt they were looked down upon, but rather the experience that the men come with sort of overpowers how they see themselves. And so the the word um, silencing uh, meant how could we release that? Because sometimes that silent builds. When you go into a, uh, when you're having discussions around a table and someone might say something to you which prevents you talking, when you come to that table next time, you might be less sure. And perhaps if you say something and someone responds again negatively, the third time you go around that table, you, you, you feel you can't mm. say anything. You become scared. And so we, we talked about the, the silence sort of, you know, stacking up, mounting. Um, we talked about how we could be released and to not look at our men to see if when we said something it was acceptable mm. or appropriate, but rather that we would be free to express how we felt. And that has become an important mandate, with the with another four alongside it, to progress a really honest conversation around uh, hearing the voices of women and giving women opportunity to speak in freedom and to speak um, speak God's word through them to be the woman that God has created us to be, and to not be frightened and to not let silence, you know, mount up and prevent us from saying the things we need to say. Had a quite a cool picture as you're
0: describing there. As you know, I'm a prophet and love to yeah. see see the um, kingdom of God and visuals. And I just saw, like, you know, I once saw this uh, video. Scott showed it to me, my husband. Um, and it was maybe the Vatican. it's just somewhere beautiful and and overseas from New Zealand. But there was just all these trees, and then all of a sudden all of these birds alighted is that the word like all at once flew into the air and the sound of their voice and they moved in perfect unison in these unbelievable shapes and shadows and shifting and never never hitting one another just perfect unison all the while their voice kind of cried out and and everyone was looking at this unbelievable mystery of grace and beauty and nature and I think The the great unsilencing, I mean, imagine that, um, I mean, the studio we're in has really, you know, these heavy foam, um, dampening sound kind of things on the walls. To be lifted off, suddenly the sound becomes clear. You open the door, the sound is louder. You bust down the wall, suddenly you can hear us clearing um, really, really clearly. Is that what's going to happen for women in the great unsilencing?
1: I pray so, and I believe so. I believe so. I think, you know, there's that. It was just an amazing thing to meet with this group of women. Just, you know, just concentrating and fervent about um, what we could do, how we could work together, how we could um, share the common things, um, you know, that prevent women from speaking. Um, and also, it became very personal. It became personal to us as we shared different ways that had enacted out for us. You know, just because of a look or, a, you know, mm. um, oh. from a from a man. I think, too, we need to take responsibility, too, for when we go into things to know, um, to read more, to know what we're presenting. You know, that's really important, too. But, again, I think if we're unsilenced, we will get confidence to do that, confidence to feel we can research more and uh, we can add more to that conversation. I think that comes, yeah, with just a bit more confidence.
0: That reminds me a lot of... Um my family, uh, we're all quite extreme extroverts. Um, so my father, my mother, and I, when we get together, it's it's not the beautiful birds in the sky, it's vultures, you know, just in a wonderful way. We just do not stop talking. My husband Scott is quite introverted and respectful, and so he'll come into these um, social situations and um, I'll say, why didn't you talk more? He's like, I couldn't get a word in. So I've tried to adapt as time goes on. So now in the middle of us all kind of talking over one another, I'll say, Scott, what do you think? (laughs) And he kind of, he's stunned. And so we're we're working on ways for um, me to be more kind and respectful. A friend of mine once said, If you replace the words politically correct, so often people are like, oh, I hate the way we have to care about women and not be racist. It's also politically correct. PC gone mad. And my friend uh, said she'd read a post that said, imagine if you replace the words politically correct with kind and respectful. I hate the way we have to be so kind and respectful of women and other races. I mean, suddenly it becomes it takes on a new um, pertinence that we are called to be more than kind and respectful. We're, we're called to be like Christ. And so instead of telling my husband he needs to rough and tumble and spill some blood, which is originally what I'd tried saying in the first couple of years of our marriage, why can't you be more like us? Realising that it's not just kind and respectful, that actually to be like Christ means I come away to the well in the middle of the day where there are no... Mighty synagogues and Jewish leaders, but Jesus sat alone in the heat of the day. His disciples had gone to get bread, so he was probably hungry as well as thirsty. But that's where the woman who needed to hear his voice and who he wanted to speak with and who would speak to us for generations gathered. He spoke to her in a way that uplifted and honoured her. And so I realise as I speak with my husband that um, instead of all of us getting together and just all being the same, that if we're to truly honour Scott's voice in our group, in our um, Papa, in our fano, our family, we need to change the way we interact. And so circling back to the group situations where women are being um, unsilenced it's yes it is on us to step up to the table with our information and our perspective and our holy courage but it's also up to the group to decide it's not just spill some blood join the fight rough and tumble but actually we want to be like jesus to meet you where you are to make sure you have all you need to be heard and unsilenced also because your voice is important
1: it is and i think we always have to be careful with power You know, when we're given power, we're asked to hold it lightly. Mm. I think we need to remember that. And to, uh, you know, those around the table, I think, and men can do this easily, just to include women, to to make sure that a voice is heard. If it's someone that's never added to the discussion, ask them. Or maybe if you think you're going to surprise them, ask them prior to the meeting. Say, I'm interested in what you have to say. um, Because... um, Men are good men, godly men. They want to do what's right, and I I celebrate that, and I really believe that. And the body of Christ will benefit when
0: we are kind and respectful. To yeah, I love those words. The opposite yeah. sex. Thank it's you, holy living. Williams. It's it holy
1: living. It's holy living in the everyday, um, and that's what we're called to do. It's what the general has called us to do. The new general. Um, that is, yeah, holy living. How we how we interact, how we speak. It doesn't mean that we can't get bold. There's things we need to be bold about, but kind and respectful. I, I like that. So we've talked about um,
0: holy courage. So even when we don't have um, the means to an end within ourselves, crying out to God and and leaning in to His power and to um, what He says. Uh, We've talked about holy living, so being kind and respectful, um, making space for others who don't think or act or look like us to hear their voices and make sure that um, they are seen and valued um, as we are valuable in God's eyes. And then um, I love that idea of holding power lightly. My mum told me a story that she was um, driving home once and holding the steering wheel. God said, hold it lightly. Hold everything lightly. So not um, casually or flippantly, but yeah, the idea of we need to let go of the things that define us or these power controls. So that third one, holy power. What does it look like to have holy power, a power redeemed or in the hands of God, to hold it lightly? What is holy power
1: to you? It's servanthood we follow a servant god and to hold power lightly is to continue to be a servant to others to not always think of yourself first but to think of others Uh, and to be grateful for that service which is rendered to you but it's never to forget that christ died for us all he knows all of us by name he saw us all being formed we're all um, a blessing to him and a joy and a gift Um, so it's servanthood That's what it is to me.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. No, we're we're still got a little bit more to go. I love that. I love that. That is, I often think about the phrase servant leader and how that's employed a little bit disingenuously sometimes by people who are like, I'm a servant leader. I'm a servant leader. And I think one gets prioritised over the other. And I was thinking the other day, why is it not just servant servant? Servant servant. Remove the leader. Because if we have servant servant servanting, then surely what it is that emanates out of us, the bread we're baking in our spirits as we servant servant, will be enough to lead people to Jesus. Uh, we need to abandon servant leader, in a sense, because it's too tempting to hold that power too tightly unless we can make it servant, holy power, leader, which comes back to servant again. I like that a lot. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I think it's. that's who we follow. He didn't come as people expected it. Um, he died in the most horrible way, mm. uh, and he always showed a servant heart. Um, and I—that's I, who we're called to follow. I don't—I don't think it's—it's it's difficult. I think um, praise the Lord, He's made it easy to know Him, mm. um, easy to follow Him, and that's what we're called to do. And um, our mission and ministry, which I see as, as two different things, you know. Um, our mission is to save souls. It's the same mission he gave his disciples, you know. Go and tell the world about me. That's all of our mission. Mm. None of us is excluded from that mission. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's the invitation to all of us. And our ministry is, is, is how we act that out here in the world to others um, with kindness and respectfulness and uh, s- serving people at their time of need. And we need both. We do. And we're all called to do it. And I think it's wrapped around servant.
0: So mission is kind of the destination, and our ministry is the way that we wind to get there. And the mission is not heaven per se. You know, the mission is to see every soul saved, to see every person who would to come to God. And our ministry is the way that we kind of collect people along that bus Um, route. Someone was telling me uh, yesterday that they, um, when they were sixteen, and a really poor driver that they were the one who was asked to go and pick up all the older people from uh, for the home league, um, yeah. and they would kind of hoon around in their car like wildly picking yeah. these nannas up and I thought that was really cool and what a cool picture of you know doing the route needed to get to the mission which is that everyone would know Jesus Christ.
1: Amen and we're all called to that. We are. And that's all I can. You know, that's like it, we're all called. He's called us all. We're called to you know.
0: I think of that when uh when is when Jesus says, Now go and tell um, yeah. to his disciples in Acts one it says, you know, you wait here and you'll receive power and then you'll go to the ends of the earth. Um, right. and Mary received that same and yet personal commission. Go and tell of what you've seen. I mean here is somebody that is a woman through and through. And Jesus has said, Do you know what? Hey, Mary. He identifies her by her name. Just Mary. Now go and tell. Do not hold on to me. T- you know? Yeah. Go and tell. And I wonder if sometimes I need to hear that. Stop holding on to me. Go and listen. Like, not let Jesus go. But sometimes we can gather with the holy huddle and not want to let Jesus go and go and tell. Because he's yeah. always with us. He journeys with us out there. But... It can be scary to kind of disengage from the mothership of um, the, the same people that we gather with all the time and actually go and find the ones who um, don't have the friends, they don't have the connections, they don't look like us,
1: they don't talk nice, they're not Sharing good Facebook memes, you know, like yeah, I, and I would agree with that, Rosie. It's it is scary, and I know it. And um, for quite a few now, years, I've had to make that my prayer, Lord. You know, put me beside someone I can share my faith with, because it is actually a scary thing. Sometimes it's easier to give a food parcel, you know, and you you give that out of you know kindness and wanting to help, than it is sharing, you know, about God. And we have to, you know, we really have to push ourselves out there. We have to really ask Him to put people in our path. Because I actually think it worries me that I'll stand before him and he'll say, well, how many people have you brought to Jesus? I, you know, that, I, I think about that, you know, and I, I don't want to say, well, not really anybody, but I've done all this. You know, it, to me that's a because it is his, his mandate to us, go and tell the world about me. That's the mission. Um, for no one to be lost, for all to know him. And we have a lot of work to do.
0: Where would you, I've been talking to a couple of women recently and they have just a real burning desire to um, share their faith and they're doing it consistently um, in the everyday, like one of my um, friends who will hopefully join us on the podcast next time was saying that when she's in the supermarket, you know, she'll talk to people about Jesus when they come up to her and just these amazing conversations open up by the prompting of the Holy Spirit because we don't want to um, just jump down people's throats and shove yeah. something in there that's yeah. not, although Catherine Booth does say an aggressive Christianity, if I don't shove it down their throats, who will? <laughs> uh, but we want to be listening to the Holy Spirit, that discernment, like we want to be the surgeon's knife at just the right time rather than a hex or yeah. trying to be like, have you heard of my friend Jesus, Lord and Saviour? So what does it look like for um, a woman starting out looking to find opportunities to develop her preaching or her leadership ability? What would your, um like a one sentence or one word like, what would your recommendation or what would your advice be to give that
1: burgeoning leader, burgeoning preacher? Just do it, like Nike. Just do it. Just know God's word. Uh, know that he created you to be wonderful, to be his voice. Just do it. Awesome.
0: <laughs> you can't go wrong with words like that. Janine, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I hope all of you it's will agree. It's joy. <laughs> As I do, it's been uh, a very wonderfully uh, enlightening and challenging in a good way about our leadership, the way we see holy courage, holy power, servanthood, um, and holy living. That's just three really beautiful things to leave us with. So um, can we pray with you Please. together? and
1: thank you for the opportunity. I feel incredibly privilege to sit down with you Rosie and um I just there's so much for me to think about praying for too for those that watch and listen those in need um, we all need each other so yes please I'd love you to pray
0: that's awesome actually that's a good uh idea as well if this does go to YouTube then um if you want prayer Put it in the comments. We also have an anonymous prayer line with the um, Women's Ministries. If you're a man, you're also welcome to send them on through. Um, and it's sabishnami.org.nz forward slash WM prayer. WM um, prayer. And you can submit an anonymous um, or put your name on it prayer and we will guaranteed pray for you. Um, we'd love to pray with you. And we'd love to pray with you, Janine. So can we Thank pray you, you, Rosie. Now? May Thank I hold you. your hand? Absolutely. Sorry, it's so cold. I know it's cold. <laughs> Cold hands, warm heart, as every grandmother would say. Uh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Creator God, we thank you that you are three in one, that you are the ultimate expression of giving and common living community, um, that you are continually giving up um, your rights and your place and your power to serve one another in this just beautiful eternal dance of love aflame. Mm-hmm. And so I just bless Janine. I don't even need to um, say that I pray blessing, I just bless her because you say we have that power. I bless mm-hmm. Janine, her leadership, um, her fortitude, her foresight. Um, I pray that you'll give her even greater um, barriers <laughs> to hurdle over because she is capable, she is anointed and she is crowned with your glory. Um, that just as she said that she has cultivated that deep holy joy in her heart that there'll be more times um, of testing and trial ahead Mm. as awful as that sounds but that that joy would just grow and grow and grow um, like the dawn until it covers the whole um, half of the earth and eventually the whole earth Lord as we live in the light of your glory so bless her bless Robert bless their family bless um, the kingdom of God through this couple and through my friend Janine this leader this empowerer of women Um, in Jesus name Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Heralds Podcast. Join us next episode when we chat with Mavis Miller. Mavis is a mathematician, researcher, published author and yachtswoman who navigated her way around New Zealand. Mavis has been a soldier for 71 years and whose Sunday school had over 200 children attending. Tune in to hear the ways that Mavis's work and research has informed the Salvation Army and our stories, and how God has shown himself faithful through Mavis's life and calling. And I was on the core council for 43 years, and um, wow. I had to give that up because I went to sleep in the meetings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. We would love to keep the discussion going. Head on over to our community on Facebook and Instagram, and look for this episode's discussion post to join in. Thanks to Jessica Keane and the Salvation Army Creative Ministries Department for producing this podcast.